Welcome everyone to this podcast on Academy Conversions, where we are going to look specifically at commercial transfer agreements and land transfers and what you need to know. My name is Alexandra Slater. I am with my colleague Graeme Shaw. We are both solicitors in Wrigley's education team. Firstly, Graeme will take us through the points on the commercial transfer agreement and then I will be looking at the transfer of school property. So to start off, Graeme, what does a commercial transfer agreement do and who signs it? Thanks, Alex. Well, a commercial transfer agreement deals with the transfer of assets, staff and liabilities on the academic conversion of a school and is made between the local authority, the governing body of the school and the academy trust. Why do we need a commercial transfer agreement? Doesn't the Academies Act deal with the treatment of assets on conversion? That's a really good question, um, Alex. You'd expect the Academies Act to deal with everything to do with an academy conversion, but that's just not the case. Under the Academies Act, the liabilities, assets and staff of the governing body of the school transfer to the local authority. The Academies Act doesn't then deal with how those assets, staff and liabilities are transferred or apportioned between the local authority, the governing body and the Academy Trust on conversion. So that's why we need a commercial transfer agreement. The commercial transfer agreement does just that. It deals with who's responsible for the assets, the liabilities and the staff pre and post conversion. Okay, I understand. Is there a Department for Education model commercial transfer agreement we can use? There is. So just in the same way that we have a DfE model set of articles, a DfE model supplemental funding agreement, there's also a DfE model commercial transfer agreement. And what does the model commercial transfer agreement say about the transfer of assets, staff and liabilities and who's responsible before and after conversion? Well, the DfE model commercial transfer agreement, in very broad terms, provides that the local authority and the governing body are responsible for assets, liabilities and staff for the period pre-conversion, and the Academy Trust is responsible for the assets, staff and liabilities post-conversion. Do all local authorities use the department's model commercial transfer agreement? That's a very good question, Alex. Um, um, that's just not the case. Um, some local authorities do, uh, but um, I would have said that the vast majority of local authorities um, use a slightly different form of commercial transfer agreement. Some of them will follow the DfE model relatively closely with the odd adjustment, whereas there are some local authorities that um, have their own form of commercial transfer agreement, which is really quite different. So, for example, um, there are some local authorities that um, will depart quite significantly from the drafting dealing with the transfer of staff. The DfE model commercial transfer agreement provides for example, that in the case of a community school where the local authority is the employer, then the local authority is responsible for staff liabilities pre-conversion. However, there are some local authorities that actually provide that it will be the Academy Trust that will take the staff with all liabilities on conversion. 
so won't um, offer that same protection to the Academy Trust. But doesn't the Department for Education insist that its model commercial transfer agreement is used? It doesn't. Um, so in the case of the model supplemental funding agreement, the model articles, you're quite right. The DfE does insist that, um, and quite strictly so, that its model documents are followed. But in the case of the commercial transfer agreement, it takes a much more relaxed view. Um, it doesn't insist that the model is used. It simply asks that before conversion, the Academy Trust confirms whether the indemnity provisions in the commercial transfer agreement match those in the DfE model and where they don't, that the Academy Trust has undertaken its own risk assessment and has satisfied itself that it's content to sign the commercial transfer agreement on that basis. Okay. And what will a school or Academy Trust need to do in relation to the commercial transfer agreement? Primarily, um, it relates to providing information. Um, so the commercial transfer agreement will include in its schedules details of those contracts that will transfer and conversion and those that won't, and also detail some of those assets that, again, will transfer and conversion, but also deal with assets that, that will be excluded from that transfer when the school converts to academy status. So, I guess, as legal advisors on an academy conversion, we will need the school or the academy trust to provide that information to us so that we can include that information in the schedules to the commercial transfer agreement. Apart from providing information, we will need, um, I guess, information and support and in instructions from that academy trust or school um, where the local authorities perhaps taking a bit of a difficult position on the commercial transfer agreement so that we can work with the school and the Academy Trust to reach agreement with the local authority. So what do you find are the key issues that can arise in relation to the commercial transfer agreement? The key issues that do tend to arise um, include, for example, um, equipment that isn't going to transfer on conversion. Um, so, for example, where you've got the local authority providing a catering service to the school pre-conversion under a service level agreement, it's important to review that SLA to identify whether it confirms that the uh, equipment um, is owned by the local authority or not. Where it is owned by the local authority, then that equipment won't transfer on conversion, so it will need to go into the schedule of excluded assets. Other examples for ex uh, relate to, um, for example, if there is a um, port cabin um, or modular classroom uh, on the site of the school. And in those circumstances, it's important to identify whether um, the port cabin or mobile classroom is owned outright and, and who owns it, or is it hired? and who is the hire agreement with. Um, and in the case of a hire agreement, obviously then it's important to make sure that that hire agreement transfers or is, or is novated um, on conversion. One other example is uh, where there's a loan uh, between the local authority and the current school. Um, 
in those circumstances, it will be important to identify um, whether there are any payments outstanding under that loan. Uh, and if there are, then again, that loan will need to transfer or be narrated from the school to the Academy Trust. Um, and the CTA will need amending uh, on that basis as well. So if it's proving difficult to agree the commercial transfer agreement, what are the options available? Um, there are a number of options. Um, I would have said that the first one is to um, have the Department for Education um, on side, uh, make sure they're fully briefed um, and work with them um, to um, mobilise the local authority to agree a position which is acceptable uh, to the Academy Trust. The difficulty there is that ordinarily the Department of Education is unable necessarily to enforce um, that an agreement is reached. Certainly that's the case in terms of um, you know, standard practice on an academy conversion. But it's important to remember that the Academies Act does actually include certain provisions which can be used by the Department of Education and the Secretary of State to, um, I guess, compel agreement um, by the governing body and the local authority uh, in relation to the commercial transfer agreement. The slight difficulty here is uh, that the powers in the Academies Act, uh, which I'll come on to, um, are confined to those circumstances where um, effectively we're dealing with a sponsored academy conversion so the school is what's called eligible for intervention um, and it's in those circumstances that uh, both the governing body and the local authority um, both have a statutory duty under the Academies Act to take all reasonable steps to facilitate the conversion of the school into an academy. Under the Academies Act the Secretary of State uh, may also direct the governing body of the school uh, or indeed the local authority to take specified steps for the purposes of facilitating that conversion. And thirdly, it's important to remember that the Academies Act does uh, reserve to the Secretary of State the right to make a direction for the transfer of assets and liabilities on conversion and to apportion or allocate liability and responsibility for those uh, between the local authority, the governing body and the Academy Trust. So there are mechanisms available. Thanks very much for all that detail, Graham. Um, so now to move over to look at the land aspects. Uh, in one of our earlier podcasts, we gave an overview of conversions and the timetable involved. We mentioned that land can be one of the more complicated aspects of the whole conversion process. There can be a lot to cover, and the key is to consider the property aspects as early as possible in the process, so that any agreed timescales for conversion are not unduly affected or delayed. So what documents need to be put in place to cover property arrangements on conversion? So dealing at this stage with just the top level, so to speak, so the school property to be taken by the Academy Trust when the school converts, the document to be completed on conversion depends on the nature of the school and or the land. If the school is currently a community school, then the local authority owner of the property will grant the Academy Trust a lease of the school property for 125 years. If the school, however, is a church school and the land owned by the diocese or trustees, then a church supplemental agreement will be entered into. 
The CSA, as it's known for short, is effectively a licence granted to the Academy Trust to run and operate the Academy on the property. As you've said earlier with the CTA, the lease and CSA are available as model documents prepared by the Department for Education. If the school property is owned privately, for example, by an estate owner and a lease of the property is to be granted, this might not be in the model form I mentioned and may be granted for a shorter term, for example, 50 years. This and the finer terms of any lease are all down to negotiation with the landowner and ultimately to be signed off, of course, by the Department for Education. The examples I've mentioned all involve the Academy Trust acquiring a leasehold interest in the school property and it may be that the freehold interest in the property is to transfer to the trust if the school is a trust or foundation school. In that case, a land transfer of the freehold interest will be entered into by the Academy Trust at conversion by direction of the Secretary of State. So what about third party arrangements or shared space? So yes, I mentioned there could be other property arrangements that the parties need to think about and some work needed to deal with these before conversion. So I'll just run through a few examples. A school may have agreed that a private nursery can exclusively use and occupy some of the school premises during term time. If there's a lease or licence already in place, then the lease or transfer of the whole of the school buildings to the Academy Trust will go through subject to those arrangements. Alternatively, there might not be anything down in writing and a new sublease will need to be completed as soon as the conversion goes through. I think this is one of the most important things to pick up on as early as early in the process as possible because if a school has these kind of arrangements in place there needs to be an early discussion to agree heads of terms for any new sublease. Of course there could be more than one third party using the property to cover the main terms such as how long the lease will be granted for, what rent will be payable and what services the school will provide and what service charge will be payable to cover these. That's the payment to the Academy Trust to cover charges like utility costs and caretaker services, which the third party may benefit from. And we often find that pinning down terms can take a lot of time and really slow down the conversion process. There could also be caretaker accommodation to think about, whether that's located within the school site or off-site. We would expect to see a service occupancy agreement in place which refers to the caretaker and his or her rights along with any family to live in the caretaker accommodation, for example granted by a local authority at a community school, uh, granted at the time the caretaker entered into his or her employment contract for their role. On conversion the Academy Trust becomes the caretaker's landlord and a side letter could be put in place to simply confirm that change. If, however, there's a question mark over the service occupancy and it isn't clear if one was granted, then it may be that a fresh agreement needs to be granted to the caretaker on conversion. Of course, what action needs to be taken will depend on the case in hand and what is or is not already in place. And then a final example, there may be two schools located on the same site and some space shared between the two. The Academy Trust and the local authority or other relevant party depending on the status of the school will need to consider agreeing a shared use agreement or management agreement to cover operational arrangements for the shared areas and related charges for managing shared services and maintaining those parts of the property. 
That's great, Alex. Thank you. Um, so just going back to the property acquired by the Academy Trust, uh, if the department's model lease is used, is this ever negotiated? It can depend on the local authority you are dealing with, but generally speaking, there's little, if any, negotiation of the model lease. A few headline points to pick up, though. It's certainly not, not an exhaustive list. The responsibility for repair and maintenance of the school buildings and, and maintenance of the playing fields transfers to the Academy T Trust, though the Trust is only obliged to maintain the property in the com condition it's in at conversion, the condition inherited. That said, it's important for the Academy Trust to identify any works to be done before conversion and to raise these with the local authority in case these fall under a programme of works to be done at the local authority's cost before the school converts. Then there are rights to deal with the property following conversion which is set out in the lease, such as assignment of the lease and underletting the premises. Rights to underlet the school premises can at times be expanded with agreement of the local authority landlord to give broader rights to the trust, for example to allow them to grant a sublease, as the example I mentioned earlier, to a nursery provider for a longer term. And insurance of the school buildings this becomes the responsibility of the Academy Trust when the school converts and the lease provides for the Academy Trust to insure either by way of insurance on the commercial market or under the Department for Education's own risk protection arrangement. Thanks Alex. So should an Academy Trust consider ordering property searches on a conversion? Yes, they should. Um, I won't go into any detail on this podcast, but it's important to think about what searches should be ordered to gather relevant information about the school property. The search results could reveal something which then need to be addressed in the document, so for example the lease or whichever document will affect transfer of the property to the Academy Trust. Thanks Alex, that's great. Well, that's the end of this podcast. We hope you have found the podcast helpful in understanding the commercial transfer agreement and land transfers on an Academy conversion. If you would welcome a further conversation or advice on any aspect of this podcast or indeed Academy Conversions more generally, then do please contact Alex, myself or any other member of the Wrigley's education team via our contact details on the Wrigley's website. Thank you.